Rancid did a lot of shows with Rage Against the Machine while I was with them. And, and one of the years. most incredible was a, a Lollapalooza guest appearance. We did Lollapalooza in 1996 where Metallica headlined you know, and, and we had you know, uh, like Screaming Trees and Ramones and Soundgarden and, and Shaolin Monks. Hi, my name is Joel Miller, and today we are listening to my podcast, Party Like a Rockstar. We're brought to you by Misha's Kind Foods. They're an L.A.-based small business making the world's finest non-dairy cheese spreads on the market today. They're delicious and healthy, made from a cashew and almond milk, and blended with various locally sourced fresh herbs, vegetables, and spices. No vegetable oils, soy, fillers, starches, or nutritional yeast. Pew, I thought it was pow. Oh, <laughs> I was going to do okay. a thing. Christopher yeah. Powell. So. Right, That's right. A, I always, when I think yeah. of Christopher Patrick Powell. Right. <laughs> um, I like that. I like that, though. Yeah. Anyway, let me introduce yeah. you guys and then and we can powwow. So Bruce Ryder has toured with Dragon Force, Five Finger Death Punch. I think I've talked to your entire crew, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Everybody keeps coming. Uh, Fear Factory, Static X, OzFest, Family Values, Lords of Acid, Megadeth, Limp Biscuit, Ladies Night in Cambodia. I, I'm very intrigued. I don't okay. we'll, we'll That was the name of a tour. I assume so, but nonetheless, yeah. I was. Uh, yeah, it, it's definitely worth asking about there. It's uh, quite a bit more interesting than the guys on Social Distortion. little jab <laughs> at my buddy John. There you go. <laughs> uh, Rancid, Stabbing Westward, Hate Breed, Typo Negative, Power Man 5000, Dope, <laughs> Slayer, Slipknot, and the Deftones. Christopher Pugh has done corporate gigs, some other corporate gigs, and it's looking for more corporate gigs because corporate <laughs> gigs kick ass. <laughs> he's the front of house right. for the cover band Electric Avenue. And he's worked for bands for the band Like Machines, which I hadn't heard of. And I listened to today and I thought they were pretty cool. So uh, I've never heard of any of the bands that Bruce has worked for. So we're going to start off with Chris and we're going to talk about the band Electric <laughs> Avenue. <laughs> because when I looked up Electric Avenue on Facebook, they had 25,000 followers. So it's not quite just a cover band. They're pretty damn big. <laughs> They're pretty awesome. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, they it reminded me of, um, well, there's a couple. There's uh, Steel Panther, which, uh, which is huge. And then uh, we have here in L.A., it's, uh, what are the guys? They all dress as uh, the Spasmatics. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. You heard of them? I, I saw a picture of them the other day. Uh, they have like taped up glasses or something, right? Like yes, eighties yeah, so nerds. There's a whole or bunch something. of them. These guys, have, <laughs> these guys are smart. Basically, what they did is they—I don't know how many different lineups they have, but they got a ton. So they send them out all over the place, and it's fun, man. They're real good. It's a really good time. Nice. Cool. Yeah. So you have nothing nice to say about Electric Avenue, but that's okay, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no, it's, it's all right. It's okay. We'll just talk about Bruce's boring band then. <laughs> Oh boy, yeah. No, it's uh. So I've been with uh, uh with those guys for I guess going on uh, just a little over three years now. Uh, just kind of been in that camp, uh, you know. Uh, and it's I know it's been a really really great time. And uh, yeah, no, they uh they really have a um, uh, you know they really care quite a bit about uh you know getting um uh 
making everything as authentic as possible. You know, they do uh, uh, just a lot of uh, really, really, um, you know, it's a bunch of, uh, you know, definitely some venue shows, but yeah, you know, like you said, alluded to earlier with the corporate thing, you know, we're, uh, you know, we do a lot of corporate private and, and, and private events and things like that. So yeah. Uh, you know, um, it's it gives you better food. Is the food higher than I would have said? I did a, I did a Capitol yeah. Records gig. Yeah, it was it was it was their Christmas party, and it was obscene, man. It was like it was literally lobster tails and steak. It was great, and what they what they had done actually, they took every department, and that department put together their own band, and then at mm-hmm. the end of the night, the best department won, and so I forget what department, but we'll say accounting because accounting people are smart, and it's the only department I can think of. I don't know. So we'll say accounting <laughs> and they brought in, they were playing the Eagles and they brought in Glenn Fry. So they were disqualified immediately <laughs> for bringing in a shill, but it was super fun, man. And the guys singing ballroom blitz were insane. It was amazing the the, uh, the, what is CEO? Probably. I don't know. The president, he came out and he's like, well, we definitely need to start looking to hire within. I mean, it, they, they were incredible. <laughs> it was really fun gig and good food. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never really done any of the corporate type of stuff. I know, like, man. I've got all these tough, <laughs> all these tough tours. I did. Uh, I so I haven't talked to anybody yet who worked for Rancid. And man, I for Rancid, <laughs> dude, and the outcomes of beautiful time. album, dude. That's like, that's very cool. <laughs> My first show with them was in Hawaii. You know, I, I get a call from their their manager who I had met on. Uh, previous tour and and was uh trying to develop business with him and and uh he asked me if if i liked punk rock and i said i love punk rock music you know and and um so i i was hired to come out and mix them and we flew to hawaii and and played with uh pennywise and tool and and it was the closest i've actually come to seeing tool by the way because um they they canceled their show because i think maynard got stuck on a flight or something like that and wasn't able to make it. So I almost got to see Tool that day, but that was my first show with Ranted. And we went around the world after that and, you know, played amazing concerts all over, like all over the place. And they're wonderful people, you know, like most authentic punk rock, like guys I've ever met, you know, they like just in the do it yourself attitude and, and, you know, having, upstanding morals and and just being good people you know like they they were good people yeah i think the bands with shorter hair are cooler people (laughs) they had shorter hair yeah (laughs) the guy sitting on the steps in the front of the album certainly looked a bit depressed i don't know oh yeah yeah maybe he had just cut his hair off he was just getting sober maybe and yeah. yeah man that album that and social d i loved social d and uh social distortion was a childhood dream really to work for you know so i I learned about them uh from i went on a youth church trip from illinois where i grew up to colorado to denver colorado and yeah i would ended up with social distortion on the church trip well no i bad bad (laughs) i would split from the group and just go hang out and find whatever I could find. And I found this group of punkers 
and they uh you know they they had like liberty spikes and stuff and they were selling pictures to tourists you know like you could for five dollars you could take my picture you know sure and uh they had this cassette tape that had social distortion on it and i had a boom box yeah so uh how big was your boom box could you throw it up on your shoulder it was the big yeah, old school yeah, it was yeah, in the yeah, 80s. yeah 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 and uh it was like 1984 or something you know so big old boom box it was sony <laughs> oh sony was way to go they lasted a lot longer yeah. they could take a yeah. beating the guys on venice beach sony yeah. <laughs> and it, so anyways we had they, they let me keep that tape and and uh i took that back to champaign illinois where i lived you know and um and went to the record store with it and it was like hey who are these bands you know to bob diener was the you know the main guy at this record store called record swap and and he's you know like well this is social distortion and this is the vandals and this is uh I, jfa and and you know like all these killer early 80s california punk band so sure. that really got me into it and you know many years later i was you know offered the opportunity to, to work with social distortion and what years that, were um, you with them or year or when i did um i tried to memorize your resume i did the I, and outcome the wolves well. tour cycle and <laughs> <laughs> no and outcome or not an outcome the wolves that's rancid um white light white heat white trash so that's and, uh, still that's early nineties, I think. It was ninety six ish. Yeah, okay. mid nineties. And um in ninety five I did a tour with them that was sort of in between record cycles and uh they were trying out songs for the new record and you know, trying out a couple of musicians that they were, you know, working on and, and uh it was it was incredible. Like the, the first time I met Mike Ness was really cool. So I uh I, we were staying at this dingy hotel in Washington, D.C., and, and uh, I, I got a f my phone rang. You know, of course, it was before cell phones or anything. You know, my phone rang at the hotel room, and, and it was Mike. You know, he's like, hey, Bruce, you bring my guitar to my room? You know, and and uh, so I, I brought his, this beautiful old Gibson. You know, I don't remember what model it was, but it was a vintage Gibson acoustic guitar that was just wonderful sounding. Yeah, and I'm sure he stole and, it. It's okay. Yeah, he he might have. You know, he <laughs> he, he might have. And uh, he so he, you know, was I don't know. He was just a really great songwriter and an interesting person. You know, he, he's such a character. You know, it's like he had one of my favorite lines. There's a video. And it finishes off and he goes, you know, we all have a little bit of trailer parking us. Some of us are just too afraid to admit it. <laughs> and that's the end of the video. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. That's, that's true. Yeah. Champagne, Illinois, right there. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Champagne, Illinois. We had an amazing music scene there. Like I, I thought that everywhere I grew up, I just assumed that everybody in the world was surrounded by awesome concerts all the time and amazing musicians. Oh, that's I, cool. I, and I went on tour and learned that that wasn't the case. Yeah, you know, that the the world has a lot of crappy bands. Yeah, yeah, and 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 a lot of nothing too. When you go to some cities, there's there's no music scene at all for people to you know get out and express themselves in. And you know, I hate to say it, but a lot of do. those, a lot of it's in L.A., man. I mean, a lot of people they come here to like become a rock star. I don't know anymore, but uh, they were and they, they sucked. So it, it's, it's interesting. We're like Kansas city and Chicago, you know, going to any bar you want, they're going to knock your socks off. They're going to be incredible. 
Yeah, you know, Chicago at- had an amazing music scene. You know the the punk rock stuff coming out of there, like the Jesus Lizard and yeah, know, Steve Albini's stuff was so cool. You know, and like he would he would a side note about Steve Albini. Okay, he he came down to the club that I was working at with a band called the Digits, and uh and mixed their sound. You know, just for one event. And watching him work was so different than every other engineer I had experienced. You know, he, he was completely not getting in the way of the music. His objective was just to get the game set and turn it up so you could hear it. Yeah. You know, like, and, and, and just that's it. I'm, nobody's here to check out what I'm doing. You know, and it, it seemed so odd at the time, like, because all, all the other engineers were trying to polish it and make it you know, some kind of perceived perfection or whatever. And he was just trying to make it what it was. Mine goes to 11. (laughs) I'll tell you a good social D one. So I was, um, do you know Bobby Lee? Yeah. Okay. So Bobby. We didn't work at the same time, but, but yeah. He didn't really work much anytime. (laughs) 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 So Bobby introduces me to John and I called John and he's like, or John and Bobby, they're like, we, you know, we have the same tattoos because I was the best man in his wedding or something. I'm like, this is way more crap than I need to know. And I don't, you know, I don't want to know where you guys put your tattoos. So I called John and I'm like, I'm like, do you remember Gabrielle? And she dated Mike. He goes, dude, you know, about you know, Gabrielle, I'm like, I know lots of shit, man. I know lots. So he's like, all right, man. He goes, all right, cool. So what is, I'm like, well, I want to write a song with you. I love social distortion. So he's like, all right. So he sends me this, this track he had been working on and it sounds straight social d it's just i thought it was great and i rewrite some of the lyrics and i sent it back and he calls me and he's like so joel did you did you ever go to aa I'm like, well i was supposed to once but being that it's anonymous <laughs> i just lied and never really went <laughs> and he goes okay because all of the lines that you removed are like aa slogans and you made it a drinking song i'm like oh man sorry <laughs> <laughs> that's funny yeah I, had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea i didn't know <laughs> yeah yeah a lot of um a lot of punk rock bands are are sober you know yeah and and they you know and and it's partially because of the the culture that a lot of you know punkers grew up in or whatever just in in you know lower class poverty you know single parent whatever you know whatever your stereotypical typical problem may be yeah, and, and I think you go through cycles. I, I do. You, you've maybe been there, done that, or you, or you just don't make it through the cycle of, and you're done. So, a lot of the guys I know don't drink anymore or do any drugs at all. So, which is a good thing. So, I've, more, I've found it easiest to be a non-drinker. Myself. Yeah. 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 What yeah. about you, Pew? You a drinker? Uh, not really. I, yeah. No, I've, I've just. Um, um, you know, when I was a little younger and just, uh, sure, why not? But uh, yeah, no, these days, not really. Just uh, don't really find a whole lot of uh, satisfaction in it at the end of the day. I just feel worse the next day. I'm yeah, like, I got drunk like, sucks, right? Yeah. Kind of like, like listening <laughs> to a rancid record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I still listen to rancid quite often. I, I uh, think that they're a, an amazing band. And Tim, he puts out a lot of solo stuff on, on Hellcat Records, his his record label. You know, sure. And like just, they're just incredible still, you know. And, no, and I, that guy wrote probably f- a couple songs a day, it seemed like, when we were on tour, you know. To me, they're like, like an ACDC in that all the songs sound the same, and I'm okay with that. 
<laughs> I yeah, got no problem. Yeah, they with don't it. deviate too far. I mean, yeah. they're it's yeah, it's it's you know what you're gonna get with rancid, you know. But what I what I think of is my like first car where I was trying to turn the volume up more than it would let me trying to listen to <laughs> rancid and 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 just and loving every moment of it. So I hadn't listened to that. It's nice when you haven't listened to an album in, let's say, a decade, you know, a formidable amount of time. Mm-hmm. And you throw it in there and you smile from ear to ear going, you know, I wasn't dumb. This is great. This is still great. I love everything about this. I got to listen to this more often, whatever have you. But it's really cool when, uh, you know, for me, it was Rage Against Machine. It's like loved them. And they were so- incredible. Rancid did a lot of shows with Rage Against Machine while I was with them. And, well, and one of the you. most incredible was a, a Lollapalooza guest appearance. We did Lollapalooza in 1996 where Metallica headlined you know, and, and we had you know, uh, like Screaming Trees and Ramones and Soundgarden and, and Shaolin Monks and Rancid and, and Metallica. But, uh, I forget what I was saying about it now. <laughs> <laughs> it was... Uh... I should have written notes here. Yeah. For help us out. What do we got here? Where, were, where, where, where was, was I at? I, got, I sidetracked myself. Oh, wait, we're uh, taking notes? All right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have to really. You know, have to. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, well. Yeah. We were talking about Lollapalooza in 96, which yeah. sounded freaking yeah. great. I don't know. I was saying Rage Against the Machine and how much. Oh, yeah. The Rage Against the Machine. That's right. 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 Rage Against the Machine did a surprise appearance. And, uh, yeah, I, my wife happened to be out visiting that day, and, and I asked her, "You, you, you gotta check this band out. You know, they're they're unlike anything you will ever experience." And and uh, we sat on stage, you know, right behind the side fills, and just watched the whole thing. And and they were just there's so much energy from the audience, like yeah. like most bands, you know, the audience they rock out or whatever, but every single person was jumping up and down and running in a circle and you know, crowd surfing and everything that people did in the 90s, you know, it shows. It's the bands that have those opening songs from the beginning of the set that just right from the get-go, you know, so Welcome to the Jungle. The second you hear that, (laughs) everyone is like, wow, we've come. I saw John Lee Hooker before he passed away. Oh, right. It was great. You know, he he can't walk. He's 150 years old. At least. And And these people help him out and then they sit him on a chair the only thing I think he did himself is he put his black sunglasses on because the guy behind him was really playing. I don't think he could even hold the guitar. But the second he put the glasses on, I'm like, work here is done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was amazing. And I think it's the same. Like when you have those opening, so Bulls on Parade, the second you, you know, the second Jack, Zach jumps up or the first scream or whatever, you got yeah. your 18, well, now probably 85 bucks. I don't know how much it costs, but you got your money. That's but it. communists, so it shouldn't cost too much. They should bring it down a notch. I mean, that's, I think, I don't know. I don't know how that works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All but, right. Yeah. So I got a question. Speaking of communism. <laughs> Speaking of communism, I'm not one. Yeah, but, yeah. But I'm a, so I'm a landlord. Right and on. So, yeah. And so uh, whenever I have a vacancy, it's very entertaining to go through some of the people's submissions. I thought I'd share a couple with you guys to see what you think. <laughs> so, I'll, I'll right. judge them. They're pretty, they're pretty good. Yeah. So today this guy wrote to me, is it cool to rent to felons? Yes, <laughs> I want to back. I wanted to write back. I don't know. I guess it depends where you're at. <laughs> like- <laughs> What a way you to can be a felon though. in a is lot of cool ways. to rent to felons. Well, <laughs> I mean, if you're in jail, I guess it's pretty cool. You know, if you're in a tough neighborhood, kind of cool. 
not a bad question. So what are some of the other ones? This one's bad. This this lady named Karen wrote to me and I wanted to write no Karens. <laughs> I think that's discriminatory. That might be know. bad. Um, yeah. Well, I didn't really do it, Bruce. I said I wanted to do it. Okay. So All instead right. what I wrote yeah. is, when were you looking to move? <laughs> uh, what else do we have? Uh, oh, there we go. When are you looking to move? <laughs> they, they, I've had a lot of people, they write back, yes, I am looking to move. Like, yeah, I know you wrote to me. (laughs) (laughs) And this was my favorite one today. Is there a way I could come look at the house on Tuesday? Because my friend's in town and we're playing video games all weekend. (laughs) No, would be my answer to that. But we are available today between 4 and 405. 4.05. (laughs) You're a nice guy at heart. You're a nice Uh, guy at heart. Christopher was telling uh, himself you are, but it's not true. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i'm 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 mean guy yeah mean guy so speaking of mean people here's another one so i was uh i wrote my book and i have some i got some book reviews that there are some of them so this lady she wrote on one of them she wrote how every every woman is a chick a babe is hot you know right and she's all and then i found myself looking at romance no- that was my this is my girl voice she's like and then i found myself looking at romance novels thinking what has become of me but in his own way, he's kind of attractive. He's bald with a goatee, which is kind of in right now. And she gave me one star. <laughs> and I was, I was kind of like, that is a very... And then this one, this one was just... because of your goatee? Yeah. Yo, yeah, well, kind of. I'm a redhead. Yeah. It doesn't really grow. I'm like an Indian. I, I could... I, I shave like once every six months. It just doesn't matter. It just doesn't grow. <laughs> My father used to make fun of me. He used to call it bum fluff. Oh, you bum fluff. You're like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> Yeah, there was a, this, one, this one lady she wrote here, or some person, I wrote here the other day. It was, uh, I've had more fun hanging out with child molesters. I'm like, well, wait a minute here. Who said that? Some oh, person on the book review, right? So one star, and uh, I think you have to leave one star. So one star, and I've had more fun hanging out with book molest- or child molesters. And I'm thinking like, <laughs> who the hell's hung out with multiple child molesters? Where the hell are you reading my right? book? Yeah. <laughs> I think you need a, a better company. Yeah. I I learned to ignore reviews a long time ago. You know, so like every every band that I work with gets uh, gets horrible reviews. I like, love them. I think like the uh, and and I I find amusement or I ignore them. You know, because it's like it's some unaccomplished asshole who's done nothing in their life. Well, so the, the thing is, is so if you click on them and you look <laughs> through the list, all they do is leave bad ones. I mean, so I uh, worked for Poison. Brett Michaels made a movie. It's uh, I've never actually seen it, but it's about him and Death Row or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the reviews are uh, hilarious. You know, the only thing worse than this movie is the band Poison. You're like, oh, wow. Hey, <laughs> just super mean stuff. <laughs> I had one guy and he wrote, I've had a more interesting time going to Joanne Fabrics. Well, I replied and I wrote back, I sincerely apologize to the Joanne Fabric Corporation. I personally love your establishments, <laughs> but Amazon removed it. I'm not allowed to reply anymore. And I'm like, that's an awesome one. You know, I, I didn't do the little kid route, like, you know, fuck your mom. Instead, I said something kind of funny, you know, sorry, Joanne Fabrics. I think you guys are great. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even give a compliment these days. It's tough, dude. Because um, Amazon guys are rough. They're really rough. <laughs> All right. So, what other cool tours did you do? What was it like with Limb Biscuit? It's amazing. Everything's amazing, really. I, like I've I haven't done any shitty tours, but uh, the um, with Limp Biscuit it was pretty cool. I was working with Social Distortion. I actually left Social Distortion for Limp Biscuit. 
Um, and we were on the, the warp tour 90 something and, um, Lip Biscuit was on the side stage. And from my perspective, all I, it was this annoying sound of some guy screaming, nobody loves me and something about eating worms, you know? And, and I was like, I couldn't be bothered with this music. And their tour manager, uh, old friend of mine from back in Chicago and Champaign area, he, uh, he kept trying to convince me, Hey, come on tour with us, you know, and you just come over and listen to him. So I, I went over and, and I sat on stage by the drummer, you know, and, and I could, so I could just hear everything, what they were actually doing, you know, and, and I was like, there's so much amazing music happening right here. And, and the, the guitar player, like the sounds coming out of his amplifier are insane, you know, and, yeah. and, and the DJ, you know, DJ lethal, He's playing MPC three six MPC sixties and and turntables and stuff through pedals and a Marshall amp, you know, and 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 the bass player has got this big funky tone and and Fred's really charismatic, you know. So fun. I, I after that day, I was like, I will absolutely do this tour, you know, and and yeah. uh, and then I went on tour with them, and you know, we did a world tour and. Fred Fred was a really good businessman. Everything is a really good businessman. You know, he he pretty much had a plan and laid it out. You know, and and everything sort of came to fruition when he said it would throughout his career. You know, he's he's, he's a producer, really well. right? He produces a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's acts and movies, and he's guys hands in a lot of creative product projects. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't really you know have a relationship with them anymore. You know, I, I see them at a festival every now and then, or in a hotel lobby, and you know, have small talk and the, you know, hello. Well, it's because you have class stories. Or whatever the only reason. <laughs> yeah. The only reason. You're on the other side of the bar drinking the foo foo drinks. The lack thereof since you don't drink. Oh, well. Bad joke. A, a, a yeah. sweet tea or coffee. Yeah. <laughs> Can't do the coffee. Love coffee. Caffeine gets me all messed up. Yeah. I, I, I can drink coffee before bed even. Like it's the caffeine Amazing. thing isn't, doesn't, doesn't mess with me. So there's a spot in Kansas City. They have the they have an airplane on top of the building, and they do uh, coffee that they they the whole current air it's in an air tank. So mm-hmm. the whole cur- the whole kernel's getting uh, air roasted uh, instead of just the top or the bottom because of how it's laying in the pit. And it was cool, man. They gave us a whole little walk through. Even though I'm not a big coffee drinker, I love the smell. <laughs> so walking through yeah. is fantastic. And then at the end, they gave us some samples, and they're like, "So what do you think?" And I'm kind of like, "Why?" <laughs> I don't drink any. I wouldn't know what to compare it to, but it says it's good. Yeah, it's good. It's good. How did you get the airplane up there? You know, how many riggers did you hire? We <laughs> right. flew it in. So how did you guys get into the industry, Christopher? What is uh, what's your interest in in uh, all of this stuff, and, and what got you going? Oh boy! All right. Uh, so yeah, um, basically, just kind of grew up uh, being the musical kid, if you will. Uh, I was always involved in uh, some kind of music uh early on lessons and then getting in the band in high school and things like that um and then uh, even uh getting into college was uh was a music major uh there and then just found myself like throughout um uh those uh those times even like uh getting involved in that um you know sort of sort of kind of starting to drift towards the behind the scenes things a little bit even if uh you know uh when you're doing things at that level and those early stages, a lot of times, you know, you're doing this stuff, uh, you know, you're doing twofold, you're playing as part of the ensemble or in the band and you're, you know, maybe 
Uh, I was like, you know, messing with whatever, you know, big box that had six knobs on it. You know, that was like, you know, the PA, like the little powered mixer type situation. And, a little uh, hint there. Those are the heavy ones. You don't want to uh, let the other guys yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the ones that you, you you can't lift it over your head. Yeah, those aren't the ones yeah. to mess with. They don't yeah. pretend to be interested in that stuff. Right, right, right. Uh, so, you know, from there and then, um, you know, when I, um, let's see, I did not finish my uh, undergraduate music program, but I, I left and actually started, I was like playing bass guitar in a, um, um, in like a house band type situation, like playing a bunch of music and um, doing that, working at a music store during the day. And then, um basically like some of those house band situations do you know ultimately you know a couple years into it the thing kind of sort of started to um th the pieces started to sort of crumble out from underneath it uh things started to just kind of dissolve and i actually ended up uh, at that point ended up getting a full-time entry-level position at the university of georgia and uh that's uh was where is that in athens uh that is in athens uh, which is okay. which is where I'm, I'm still pretty much in the athens georgia area now but oh, man uh, my best buddy's moving there right now he's retiring. Oh, yeah? he's a yeah. cop he's retiring from oh LA. sweet okay because yeah. his friend owns a brewery there okay which uh which which one is it um I uh, have to find out. We've we've actually got a couple now because uh, we start. Uh, oh, so the guy who owns yeah. the brewery is English, from England. Okay, England. Um, um, he has terrible taste in not. French. The guy who owns the brewery, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there's going to be yeah. some drunk cops yeah. sitting at the bar. <laughs> right, <laughs> till soon is what I'm getting at. But okay, so nice, you're, nice. Uh, you're you're there. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and really, I mean, uh, I spent a little eleven and a half years uh, with the, the with the university, uh, just working through, and uh, and actually, that's like like you know, obviously alluding to all the corporate stuff. Uh, a lot that was a lot of my day to day stuff there, um, and I left them from being a full time employee in two thousand nineteen. So interesting sort of foyer into the whole like i left because i was really getting more involved in just the freelancing and, and wanting to be involved and in more yeah. on the touring side um uh, bruce i think maybe when you and i first met uh, i actually mentioned that it's just, this is kind of where i was going too mm -hmm. and you know it's um yeah um so obviously uh yeah kind of interesting timing there it was yeah end of 2019 when i started that off and then you know it started to get into to 2020 was really when I had like, you know, some of my earlier actual touring opp opportunities. Um, but all that to say, yeah, uh, you know, so I was just kind of involved and, it, you know, just really liked, um, um, you know, just got more and more involved in audio and being a, able to listen to. Yeah. I have a real question for you since um, I'm obviously yeah. a smart ass. So, but I have a real uh, and So a lot of these guys right. I've been talking to are, uh, I'll say the old guard. A lot of the guys that have been around for a while. If you look through the names, I think Bruce. Yeah. Bob, yeah. The people that are so Bobby Schneider, yeah. uh, Bob Dates, uh, uh, mm -hmm. a lot of these kind of guys. And the overall, the overall feeling seems to be that the guys like you who are just getting going on the road touring uh, might bounce and go do other stuff because of everything that happened. Where's your headspace? Are you thinking of sticking around because you were really enjoying yourself with like machines or are you, or were you thinking maybe this is uh, maybe I should try and do something else for a career? I don't mean temporarily. 
Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I did the, uh, when everything started to basically just, you know, when I just started to see that calendar just fall off little by little, like as soon as that March of 2020 <laughs> point. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, obviously, uh, the thought was there, especially thinking back on the fact of just kind of departing from this vested position that I that I'd had like in like in the full time corporate realm with the university uh you know obviously those thoughts were there like did I, I was like oh boy did I make the did I make the wrong choice like right here and now but uh no like honestly uh through um those guys uh being able to keep up with some um virtual work with electric avenue and then as slowly little by little as things have been coming back um yeah i i gotta say hard pass on moving on and trying to do something else like i uh you know there's just like you know anybody that's been involved in this thing you know it's it's just like once you you know once you get a little taste of it and like you're there and like you you understand that it's so much more than just like oh yeah this is my job and i like it's like no i can legitimately say like i get out uh when we get out to do uh, to go do these things like i legitimately love every bit of it like it's it's very very much a passion so, so what's one of the songs that electric avenue sings that you now know every word to <laughs> oh uh, <laughs> um well uh they do electric avenue uh but actually it. It eddie, yeah, yeah. Eddie grant right eddie, eddie, grant, eddie, eddie grant yeah yeah no uh if i had to say there's one probably everybody wants to rule the world tears for fears uh they <laughs> they sound check with that one every single oh that sound check that makes it hard yeah you got to know that after every day yep um so yeah well, eddie grant definitely 1983 wow something like that yeah yeah, yeah thereabouts maybe 84 or 85 84 85 i don't know okay it's irrelevant so uh how did you two meet each other then um yeah was it on the cambodian lady girl tour <laughs> totally it was on yeah, right. ladies night in cambodia tour we met in cambodia and no uh, did you actually I, I started using it no we did not um, that would be <laughs> really neat females got in for free to the yeah. show and um the theme was the doors and an apocalypse now and sort of that vibe like we had a jungle on stage and an old army jeep like cut the front of an old army jeep off and put lights in the headlights you know and and uh they had just uh it was that that vibe or whatever yeah so it, who were the bands playing clutch and seven dust which was incredible actually like both of those bands are amazing and yeah. and seven dust i believe it was it was that well it was their first record for sure and it was one of their first tours oh, that's cool yeah they were and and i, I yeah i remember meeting lejean in the lobby at one of the venues and and realizing we lived down the street from each other here in atlanta yeah he's since moved to another city but uh yeah yeah Trying to find out what year Electric Avenue came out. It really. <laughs> oh, here we go. Anyways, oh, 1983. What year did I 83, say? 83. You were right. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. 83. You get, you get nice. bonus points. You win so nothing. We, <laughs> you win nothing. <laughs> we we met through um, 
uh, Waves LV1 mixing console, I think, because I yeah, yeah. I saw that he was using Yulin Lejean. Oh, curious. sorry, you and Christopher. You and Christopher. Sorry, sorry. Yulin Lejean back in '97. Yeah. The anyways, I saw that he was using one, and and it serves some new technology that is you know sort of interesting, and and I like to try you know new odd things that not necessarily everyone's using, and and um. At the end of the day, uh, side note, I probably reverted back to what everybody's using. I'm using an Avid console now. But, but um, anyways, I I noticed that he had one and I wanted to get my hands on one and just look at it and get some opinions. And, you know, Chris has a lot of technical knowledge and, and uh, you know, knows all, the, knows all the nerdy stuff, you know, about how everything's interconnected and, you know, the networking and such. So I picked his brain and and uh, you know, went to he invited me to come out and check out his his band. You know, they were playing um, near where I live, so I might need to pick your brain. Check them I'm, out. I'm really bad at this, and I just bought a Synology server so that uh, the intern and the uh, my kick ass editor, because he definitely sees this, so I have to say very nice things about him. Kick ass yeah. editor. Uh, yeah. Uh, can get on that thing. So I don't know how the heck to do this thing, but I do know the hard drives are really expensive and I didn't know that a few hours ago. <laughs> they are. Yeah. <laughs> really right. expensive. Lots and lots of hard drives. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, and if I remember correctly, Bruce, if I remember right on that, that first outing where uh, you got a chance to come down and see uh, uh, where we were playing and I had one of the versions of that console that I was out with and I was having a... Um, happened to be one of the days i was having a, a little glitch on one of yeah. the converters in it yeah yeah where it's like everything that was coming out of the pa was just it just uh was accompanied with this like other little static thing and uh, coming out of the pa yeah yeah it's just <laughs> like all like everything it was like yeah, no matter what it's like what is this and you know, it ended up being basically just some little setting or, or around and fi- I figured out what it was. Like, it's actually nice timing that I figured out what it was when, uh, like, uh, my boss with that band happened to walk back around just to sign it, just to kind of greet and say <laughs> hi. And, uh, it was like, okay, perfect timing that everything just started working right here. But, uh, but yeah, okay. no, uh, no, uh, I remember, uh, that, that sticks out a lot in my head. Cause like, I, th- I remember like you handed me a bottle of water and said something. It was like nothing, uh, along the lines of like, yeah, nothing can be, there's nothing you can't solve with, you know, a little bit of time and hydration or yeah, yeah. Some, something, something like to that, that effect. Yeah. yeah. Wow. A little bit of time and yeah. hydration. You can solve any problem. You do do Tai Chi, <laughs> don't you? I yeah. do practice touch each one. I know, yes. man. I research you. <laughs> when do you hear about that? <laughs> Just that you do Tai Chi. There wasn't much. Oh, yeah. yeah, that was, that was I move slowly in parking lots around. The- no. <laughs> but, yeah, <laughs> I, I practice Tai Chi Chuan. It's Chinese martial art, and um, one of the cool things with touring the world is I get to be in all these crazy cities. So I, you know, will go and meet other practitioners and you know, get lessons or exchange info or whatever, you know, and practice as much as I can. Yeah, it's great. That's I recommend cool. it to everyone. Yeah, definitely a different hobby. I like it. I wanted okay. to go, I got really into yoga for five minutes and I wanted to go into some of the, the places in Thailand and just sit there and spend like 10 minutes just meditating, you know, and taking it yeah. all in. And uh, I guess it's still a bucket list thing. I just think it would be uh, a personally 
great moment again and again and again and again. <laughs> I, I'm an art guy, so I, I I studied art in school. I'm an I was an art dealer for years, and I uh, so you I cheat. I get on Wikipedia the night before wherever you're at, and just spend ten minutes reading. And you'll go in and the people are like, my God, you know so much about this place. And you're kind of like, I spent 10 whole minutes last night reading online yeah. that we were going to go look at this thing today. So uh, I don't know. I think, I think that's one of the good things about being able to do what you guys are doing here is cruising around. You can, on your day off, you, you can go see stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sometimes. Other- I mean, it, there's, it, that varies a lot from tour to tour. Some tours, it's, you, you see the bus, you see a parking lot. You see a hotel lobby and you see a venue. Yeah, and, and then they, and there's they, nothing else. Yeah. And they give you the day off in the middle of nowhere. So what are you going to go? Well, see? Sometimes that day off isn't even a day off. It's, yeah, it's, it's a driving on day. the bus as you're driving for 18 hours or whatever, and then you you know you get to the destination city at midnight or something sometimes and no oh, i got a day off it's midnight i'm here you know the driving day reminds me of like dumb and dumber you want to hear the most annoying sound in the whole world right? yeah yeah <laughs> so anybody want to play poker again <laughs> right uh, all right days so- taking advantage of days off i think is important though cause, like the the other extreme is is you have tons of time you know you have a day a full day off you know in a city and you're well rested and and load ins late the next day, even you know, or something. You know, so you have all this time, you know. And, and I recommend everyone gets up in the morning on their day off and gets out and sees the city, especially if it's if you're new to touring. You know, like the one of my uh, touring buddies, you know, he said before he toured with me, he had never done anything on a day off other than order room service and sit in his room, you know, and occasionally go to the hotel bar, you know. And we go on walkabouts, you know, and, and have seen all kinds of museums and art galleries and just the architecture of the city or whatever, you know, just the, just the, these cities, you know, it's, it's great. I would sleep a lot. I just was so beat up. I needed to like kind of get going again. So I would, I would sleep. <laughs> I would sleep. There's uh, days where, yeah, you just stay in bed that whole day off, you know, cause you're exhausted from the past three or four shows, you know? And yeah, so I, I went to a concert, uh, a couple of nights ago at a small venue here in Atlanta called Eddie's Attic. It's a listening room, they call it. You know? And yeah. there's an artist called Dom Flemons. And he's a, he calls himself the American songster. And he, um, he collects songs from the like 1800s and early 1900s, you know, mostly acoustic guitar, banjo, um, the gourd, like whatever. I, I guess it's still called a banjo, but it's like a banjo with a gourd for a body. And, yeah, and the, he had these bone clickers, and you know they use for like a percussive so instrument or whatever. And there's two artists band in my house. One's Pavarotti because I listened to it for like a full week straight, and the and the lady's like, I just can't listen to this anymore. The second one band is Tiny Tim, who is oh my a- god, I went on a Tiny Tim <laughs> rabbit, YouTube rabbit hole the other day. <laughs> He's incredible totally agree with you and it's the same he's all into that 1800s type stuff it's all this early he was a musicologist he 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 i love listening to interviews of him too because he's like he, he talks about being in character and he keeps the mystery of whether it's a character or not you know like his, he was such a cool the way character. he sings he, he he died on stage he died i think in an old yeah. folks home playing mm-hmm. on stage after they told him too they're like you you <laughs> cannot and he's like i gotta do it 
I got to tiptoe <laughs> through the tulips one more day. The, yeah, the show must go on. <laughs> Don't you tell me what to do. I'm 6'8", and I'm Tiny Tim. <laughs> oh, that voice. That shrill I don't know. Do you think it was like the Bee Gees thing? Like he could turn it off if he wanted to? It'd be funny if he sounded like Mick Jagger. <laughs> really? <laughs> when he just decided to do this whole like tangent weird thing. That would I mean, be a good cover. He made a, he made a living. We should get rancid <laughs> and like actually any punk band that would say okay to like cover Tiptoe Through the Tulips. Yeah, I doubt anyone that I know would. <laughs> I don't know that many people, so I know for sure nobody would. anyway all right so i do have a question that i like to try and ask guests and so my uh trying to come up with podcast and my buddy's daughter who's in fifth grade she said you should ask all your guests when was the first time they felt famous so bear in mind it's a fifth grader so to make Mm -hmm. it a broader question when was the first time you felt great about yourself felt like a celebrity felt famous uh smiled from ear to ear for no apparent reason when was a time where you were just like, this is, this is cool. I got something going here. There's, there's an event. Something's good. We're talking about. I don't know about a first time or whatever, but it always feels good when, a f- when you're standing at the soundboard or whatever and the show's finished and one of the band's fans comes up to you and calls you by name and, you know, and, and talks to you, you know, and, and, and were they were they, asking, whoever, yeah. were, they, were they asking for uh, for child support by chance or <laughs> no 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 <laughs> okay. not guitar I don't give out guitar picks child support or set lists so, yeah man no. you're a, you're tough yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's so, so sad for the kids to ask for set lists too because I I keep it um, digital you know because I have all these cues and stuff that go along with my set list and. And uh, so I, I can't really give it away because it's got all these crazy notes and codes that nobody will understand anyways, you know. The problem like, I had with set lists always, and I sell a lot of memorabilia, I'm a big memorabilia dealer, is it's just Xerox copy that you hand out to everybody on the crew and you stick it on stage and hand it to people. <laughs> you know, it, it cracks me up actually seeing set lists that I've made over the years too. Because like there, there's, um, you know, you see on, on eBay or whatever, you know, people sell stuff and they're like, oh, that's my little note at the bottom, like, you know, the version one. Nacho or whatever. Be on a bigger, flatter yeah. plate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, feeling famous, though, I, I don't know about feeling famous, but, it, but it's nice to feel recognized, you know, for, for what you do or whatever, you know, for the time you put in and stuff. So, yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah. recognition from the uh, audience more than... I, I mean, that's that feels great when it's just unsolicited and unbiased, you know, like recognition, I guess, about what's good and bad, really. Because I, I enjoy listening to critique, too, you know, especially from the audience when they don't necessarily know I'm the sound engineer. Because on occasion, I'll, you know, walk out into the room away from the soundboard and I don't necessarily look like roadie guy, I don't think, you know, and, and I don't have passes like- all over me. We should start this thing where we tell people the best way to get a guitar pick is from the guys at front of house. You know, they think that. <laughs> it would be amazing. Because you'd, you'd be surprised at how often I get asked for a guitar pick. And I'm like, I am a guitar player and I do have these orange picks. That I love the Dunlop you know, orange ones. Those are my favorites. But no, no famous person ever played with this. This is just mine. 
Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah it's know, always in my pocket. I don't play guitar, so I never really started <laughs> grabbing picks off the stage. I never did it. But yeah, yeah doing doing interviews and like, you know, the mix magazines and stuff like that always feels good as a sound engineer too, you know, because you any all of all of us sound engineers grew up reading those and looking at the guys there and the dorky stuff. guy yeah. stuff. Yeah, you know. Dorky guy magazines. Yeah, yeah. Those dorky guy nerd magazines. Yeah. <laughs> I don't get it because I can't hear. I'm deaf. So it's I can't get into sound now. I don't know. It's like, oh, my speakers sound great. And I'm like, I can hear it. I don't know, though. I, I can't tell the difference. I'm just totally gone. So well, fake it till you make it. Yeah. <laughs> if you can, if you can so. convince somebody that it sounds good, that it sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> I told what do you got, Christopher? Oh, so all right, same question. Uh, same question. Yeah. yeah there we Fifth go. Fifth, right. Yeah. Well, and actually, uh, you know, thinking about that with um, maybe the, yeah, um, kind of there with, with Bruce, not really known, like feeling famous so much, but yeah, like recognition, uh, even like feeling what it feels like to play in like, um, you know, one of the, like, a, uh, like one of the bands you're in and, um, you know, middle school or high school, or even like, you know, when you, when you feel that, that recognition, but just kind of thinking about, um, you know, so I guess those times might be like the first time, even though, yeah, it's like, you know, you're just there with all your local, um, folks and, you know, it's just families that are there to, to, to see everybody. But yeah, I guess, uh, thinking about that, like, um, you know, I mean, I think the only bit of expansion I put on that is like, you know, sort of drifting into the production and, and that side of like, um, like getting that gratification, uh, but also like feeling it in a totally different way if that makes sense in terms of like, um, you know, later on, like, you know, what Bruce was talking about, uh, as far as being able to, uh, really, um, you know, pick up on things that people say and like, I mean, whether they know that they're giving you a compliment or not, or they're, they're just making like, you know, positive commentary, positive, um, you know, uh, mentions about the show they just heard. It's like, uh, you know, like that's another type of gratification that like, you know, being able to, to, to hear that. And I mean, sometimes it's terrible. Sometimes people were like, I couldn't hear it thing and it was like or but uh hopefully try to have fewer and fewer of those as we as i go on but you know <laughs> the sound guys yeah. keep getting shit on always that does not end oh yeah oh yeah 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 no no i know that's that's never gonna end it's like you know you can't win them all but yeah that's a tough one sometimes the audience can be pretty brutal you know with their with their opinions and and instead of getting offended you know i, I try to figure out from their perspective why it sucked for them why it was bullshit or whatever, you know? Yeah. And sometimes I learn, okay, well, they, uh, they were sitting like up in the stands right by the, you know, the dasher in a hockey arena, you know, and, and, and even with the stage and, and they're right in line with the, you know, the subwoofers and they didn't have very much pointing at them or whatever, you know, or just whatever, you know, there's always some explanation, you know, and, and, and you can figure out like, what you should do next time to make it so it's not like that. You know, and one of the things that I've, I've done, like, you know, on occasion I've gotten, you know, like some person that's at the barricade, I can't hear the vocals or whatever. Right. And you know, I, I removed, I stopped using subwoofers largely, you know, and, and, mm -hmm. and, um, and I 
rely on you know having a good front fill system that evenly covers you know the the high end frequencies of you know down in the pit wherever I perceive the young lady that likes to you know post online about how she couldn't hear the vocals of her favorite singer or whatever you know so I I, I want to make sure that you can always hear the vocals first and foremost. I mean everything has to sound great you know but but the vocals are what I'm everyone of the comes camp for. of a uh, bury the singer <laughs> that's the camp <laughs> if I buried Ivan from Five Finger Death Punch, I might be in physical danger. Yeah, my, my first one with those guys, I, I, it was uh, Gigi Campbell as Five Finger, is it? I don't know. It wasn't. There there was, it, was, it was this band called uh, Ginger. I never heard That's of them. That's Gigi Campbell. Yeah. That's Gigi. So I, I was looking it up to see, and so I asked them. I'm also, I read online that Justin Bieber wanted to do a duet with your band. What, what do you think about that? <laughs> and, and they're kind of like, did you really read that? <laughs> it's great. They're like, I, I don't know. They got a little hope. <laughs> it's kind of funny, you know? Mess I'd do a duet with Justin Bieber. The what? I'd do a duet with Justin Bieber. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> I'm sure he's waiting in line. Yeah. I got this little melody workout great for him. <laughs> little Diddy. It goes like this. Got a little Diddy. <laughs> well, guys, I really appreciate um, it. And sorry, Christopher, if you have anything yeah. to say, go for it. Oh <laughs> no! You're well, right. okay. Way to way to put. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm uh, no, no. I've uh, enjoyed uh, just getting to hang, t- chat a little bit. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. You ever do any wind up type of stuff, Bruce? Or are you pretty good? Any? Well, I guess. Well, like wind ups at the end of the show where you mess with the crew or any funny stuff. You know, I personally don't. Yeah, I can see um, you're pretty good, <laughs> good boy. <laughs> you know, I, I saw one of the, I'll, I'll tell a quick story before we get off about one of the, they call it treatments or end of tour, you know, whatever, you know, right? And this, I, I was mixing a band called Static X and we had a band called American Head Charge and a band called 10 Years opening up for us, right? It was the last show of the tour and typically people will go out and spray Silly String or something like that or just do something stupid on stage, right? And and American Head Charge went beyond, just beyond cruel. You know, like they they did everything from pouring jars of honey over the musicians and their instruments as they're trying to play, and then dousing them in multiple bags of five, you know, like five pound bags of flour, and throwing oh, wow. eggs at them, and just just brutal uh, brutalize them. And once it was all over, and they got off stage, and were like still had food all over them and just stuff and their instruments are shot. You know, they get out to their van and find that it's completely covered in peanut butter and mayonnaise or whatever, you know? And and I was just like, this is so fucking mean. Like, like people shouldn't be assholes like that. You know? So I've never, I've never been a prankster. So that was the static X guys. Who's got, I mean, the problem was the static X didn't do that. The opening band. Well, I should say the main support, American Head Charge did that to the opening band on the last last day of our tour. Was the opening band like anybody well known? A band called Ten Years. Yeah, I mean they're they're all right. Yeah, they're big. But the thing is, is like because where I was getting at is if you're a brand new band and they destroy your instruments, I mean, what's the fuck? The second thing (laughs) is, can you imagine the tech? I got to clean this damn thing. Yeah, well, and, and they had one guy, like this poor guy that was he was their sound guy, merch guy, tour manager van driver helped them load in and out you know and, and it's like oh man you know and our, our crew helped you know helped out as much as we could and and like i i was 
they messed up the stage, you know, pretty bad too. So, and we're about yeah, to go how on to get like, you guys off quickly get the fuck out here and figure out and clean, clean up your shit, you know, but yeah, but anyways, sometimes it's funny, but I, th- I think that it's just best to not interfere with the shows. You know, I don't yeah, know. That one's brutal. That one's a bad but, one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, we never did anything that crazy. I don't know. And I don't, I like to mess with people, but, uh, you know, you ever do something where you think's funny and then you go a little too far and you upset them and then you feel so bad. You're kind of like, oh, okay, I'm and, stupid. You know, depending on the band, you might get your ass beat. Like if you come on a five finger death punch stage, it probably won't end well. <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's just there's security and the band would be like, what the hell are you doing up here? We're trying to perform, you know, like it's, yeah. it's not, yeah. Uh, oh, cool. But yeah. Yeah, I toured with uh, Charlie Hernandez. He was my boss. Nice. And Charlie would, there was no way you could pull any of that kind of crap. Definitely, definitely not acceptable, not funny, not cool. So we never really did a lot of that stuff. I remember the last day of the Family Values Tour 2001. Charlie Hernandez was production manager for Stone Temple Pilots on that. Yeah. And he, but he, he, uh, everyone from the whole tour got on stage and it was, it wasn't like nothing was being destroyed. It was all like good vibes. Everyone patting each other on the back for a great tour or whatever, you know? And that, that was great. You know, I thought like it it built the camaraderie that people get, you know, over the course of a tour, you know, and, and the audience, I think appreciated that, but I don't think the audience even appreciates it when it's like just some dumb prank, you know? Well, you're taking away from a performance I paid a couple bucks to see. So while you yeah. think it's funny, we're not in on it. So yeah. you have that to deal with too. <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. I think windups are okay, but I don't think you should ever mess. Well, you're messing with someone's career. You're messing with their uh, their livelihood. Hmm. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I don't know. That yeah. sounds pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I want to avoid making people look bad too. You know, like I mean, I I, I want everyone around me to be lifted up. You know what I mean? And and like yeah. the other bands that are on tour with us, you know, I, they're sound engineers. I want them to have the best mix they can, you know, and to, you know, like everything to be perfect for, for all the bands. Cause I the just better can't it is being the stage manager and having to clear up honey. I mean, that's <laughs> brutal. I have no idea. And you got what? 15 minutes or so. No way. Yeah. yeah. We get 30 minutes normally between, you know, before the headliner. Yeah. So it's a long time. Nah, it depends how bad, man, with flour and honey and everything. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. But anyway, that that was a yeah. long time ago. And, you know, American Head Charge, in spite of that, were an incredible band. They they made great music and did great shows. It's just, yeah. 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 So when you're out on the road there, what's your, uh, what's, how do you, uh, <laughs> how do you test the sound? I don't know. What am I thinking of? Uh, what do I listen to when I'm tuning the PA? Thank you, sound guy. Yeah, is it Celine yeah, Dion? Yeah. Is it Celine um, Dion? <laughs> infectious grooves, I like a lot. Um, there's, you know, just basically anything that's familiar. I, I don't get stuck on one song in particular. Why did everybody I, like? Where's the Steely Dan joke? Why did everybody pick Steely Dan? I, I never because got it that. sounds. It sounds neutral 
like there's nothing that stands out too much and nothing that's buried too much. So there's, it's even throughout the whole, you know, frequency spectrum, I think is why people uh, chose, you know. So like and, America would be great. Like any kind of, any kind of song that just has a flat keel. Any, any, I mean, any, any song that you're familiar with works fine, you know? And the, to me, it's, it's just about making a familiar vibe. So, if you if you like ACDC back in black and you know what that sounds like on your headphones or on your you know home speakers or whatever, it should sound sort of familiar when you're playing it through a PA. So you know you EQ it or adjust the processor or have the systems tech. You know you tell them oh it sounds stupid and they figure it out from <laughs> a technical standpoint. You know, gotcha. like this. Yeah, yeah. It's a I great sound record. Yeah, I've been <laughs> kind of. Um, um, uh, I've uh, been kind of enamored with a, you know, just yeah, uh, familiarity for sure. But uh, uh, kind of go to a couple of standards if I'm going to just like listen to to an overall reference, which is, uh, you know, I typically bring up a Jeff Buckley tune here or there, and it's yeah, it's not necessarily that one even like I know it's it's not a hundred percent neutral like a lot of the. You know, a lot of the really uh, well-recorded Steely Dan material is, but there's there's things I know about it. So there's like characters and qualities about it that, like, you know, if I know that the that the system is behaving like it should, like it should have this kind of vibe or feel to it. So, Interesting. Uh, it makes total yeah. sense. Just never. I'm, I'm just looking at my playlist that I have for tuning the PA here, and, yeah, and I, yeah. I, it's it's in front of me by. A, did mushroom not yeah, infectious yeah. grooves <laughs> mm -hmm. so, um, and and pink floyd like what do you want from me i think yeah. it's a founding song you know in in a on a pa system just to see if to see how the pa is balanced you know see if mm. it's too harsh or if it's too boomy or whatever you know but yeah what do you like to hear the, to hear the sound guy play when you have to get pummeled in the afternoon you're asking me um I do love ACDC. You brought it up earlier. I'm a huge ACDC fan, so I always nice. like that. Yeah. Our, our systems tech on our last U.S. tour, he played this really annoying song called Reggae Shark, and it was... Uh, <laughs> I know it. I, I bet know you, it. <laughs> something about sharks can... I bet you didn't think that sharks could fly or something. I don't know, but it's the most annoying song you could possibly imagine he played Way to win over day. the crew <laughs> just to i don't i don't know why he i don't know what he had against us but <laughs> yeah fired. And, and normally i have to you know listen to the because the systems tech will get the pa together before i touch it you know and and um so they'll play a couple of songs typically while i'm waiting you know so i'll, I'll get to listen to whatever their preference is too you know yeah and, have you ever heard of Deadsy? Uh, yeah, because somebody else had it on their thing. But no, I mean, I don't had, listen to this kind of stuff. I never listened to metal ever. They had I a like, record called Commencement in the early 2000s. It's great. Really good record. And um, they, they're a bunch of rich kids, basically, from New York, you know. And, and they, uh, like, the singer, uh, her, his, his mom is Cher and his dad is... Dwayne Allman, I think, you know, like, you know, and they, they all grew up in this sort of privilege, whatever. And it's just an interesting, you know, interesting band. Yeah. Check them out. I'll check <laughs> it out. I've heard yeah. it. Yeah. 
Did you ever tour with Rigger, Dan? Yeah. He was a roadie that was... Legendary Rigger, like, who used no safety precautions and got shit done. (laughs) So I have have the Rigger, Dan. The guy could do a pirouette in the sky holding a cup of coffee. You know, I I, I make... (laughs) And so uh, I made a film years ago and I dedicated it to Dan uh, and his mom and his sister came out to watch it. And he, don't get me wrong. I don't think you'd want to be in a room by yourself with the guy. <laughs> he was really kind of kooky, but oh, an awesome human being, highly entertaining, yeah. a wonderful person. And so um, when he died, his dog and Sharon took the dog and took care of the dog until his mother came nice. and, uh, and fetched the dog. So the thing is here, she didn't have to do that, you know, and you could say, oh, well, she has the money to feed the dog. She has the underling to send to go fetch the dog. Any excuses you want to make, she didn't have to do that. That's what's important. So as tough as she is, she's also very caring to the people. I think that she is in part of her camp. So definitely she is. Yeah. uh, And she's she's done a lot for our heavy metal music community or whatever yeah like just keeping us all employed and giving us a platform to jump from you know yeah you got any cool dan stories you know just all i can think whenever i think of dan i think of him at the amphitheaters that we would play and just walking on beams with like no like wearing no just wearing shoes and short shorts and you know like no shirt and just no harness, no anything, and just walking like he's walking on the ground, you know. And, and so his mom told me that he was afraid of heights as a kid. <laughs> he got over it. He got over <laughs> it. Isn't that incredible? We would do yep. what's called wow. the leap, the leap of faith. So the leap of faith <laughs> means um, you don't going up and down the ladder is the hardest part of of going up in the rig. So that's mm-hmm. what what Dan taught me. So. Mm-hmm. If you, the leap of faith means you swing the truss and you jump over to the other motor without going up and down that damn ladder. So, ah. so that's the leap of faith, the Dan leap of faith. But I used to do the leap yeah. of faith all the time, which isn't that scary because sometimes no. that motor chain is not that far. So you're only like reaching out an extra three or four inches even to get to the next truck. <laughs> but if you do the leap of faith in a big city, it doesn't, it just does not go over good. Yeah, the right. steward's like, what the... Yeah, right, right. <laughs> what is this shit? But uh, yeah, so I put on my harness in case there's someone there, but I would never connect to anything. But I did have a truss once where nobody bolted it together right, and it, it shifted. Oh. That's that's scary. Uh, like, it's yeah, so scary. Yeah. <laughs> it's so... And that was, I'm, like, I'm like hugging onto it. I quickly, I quickly lock in, and I'm just sitting there up in the truss going, oh, fuck. <laughs> that, the responsibility yeah. is pretty yeah. great when you get into, you know, to that type of touring, you know, we're full production, you know, cause like there's, you can get hurt. Yeah. You, know, you can hurt people. I, ha- I had one, somebody left the, uh, left a wrench, crescent wrench in the sky. It fell like five feet from Brett Michaels, but he never saw it fall. Oh, he's lucky. Nobody that he didn't see it. He's lucky to hit anyone that kill someone. Of course. Or yeah. Well, I'm a big Curtis Mayfield fan and you know, that's what happened to him. Something fell out of the sky while he was performing and crippled the guy. And that eventually led to his death. I was not aware mm-hmm. of that. I knew something happened at a show. Yeah, I have, I have seen, uh, yeah, on a, on a, just, a 
mobile installation doing uh i was doing uh building sound towers i have seen climbers even with the sea wrench um i guess they thought they tied it off right but uh it just uh it slipped and it um yeah i mean it didn't hit anybody square but it grazed somebody just witnessing that one time yeah yeah witnessing that one time it's that's that's enough to make you just like very very aware of what's going on around you and yeah. the reason why we why, like we do the we take the safety protocols that we do so you got to wear yeah. a helmet at load in and load out you yeah. know, if you're around the deck yeah yeah you really do they make you guys wear a helmet now yeah i mean there's there's some venues obviously where where it does, you don't have to i suppose but in europe you you have to everywhere you know and, until until the truss is set Basically, you know, until nothing else is going to move, you have to wear a hard hat if you're on the huh. on the floor. And they have, they'll typically have someone, you know, like a local safety person enforcing rules like that. You know, making sure everyone's got their yeah, vest. I didn't have any of that. I'm the rigor Dan days of just yeah. shit and shenanigans. In and the just- the past ten, fifteen years, things have gotten way more corporate. You know, and and yeah. and way less pirate. You know, like I, I started in the pirate days when you you made the rules, yeah. you know, I mean, and, but now it's like there, there's health and safety and OSHA and all this, you know, stuff that you have to follow. And yeah, but it's, it's for the better. Yeah. No, I'm sure it's gotten more, I mean, more complex with, with the rigging. I mean, we had 250 points on our tour and that's not necessarily the biggest tour out you know what i mean wow and anyway you guys have a good evening stay in touch if you need anything right. let me know and take care uh, of you will thank you thank you absolutely have a good later cheers, a good cheers. thank you Bye. hey thanks for watching party like a rock star if you're not already subscribed to the facebook or youtube channels do it we're also on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The handle is Party of Stars. Thanks for watching. You'll see you next time.